You're listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast, a podcast covering the world of Mormon arts and examining the intersection between faith and creativity. For more Mormon arts news and interviews, please visit mormonartist.net. My head though goes with the blackbird song I move. I must move on. Hello and welcome to the Mormon Artists Podcast. Today we have joining us Blair True. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Blair. Blair True is a director and producer, originally from Huntington Beach, California. He has experience in documentary film, narrative film, episodic television, and commercials. Some of his more well-known films are Just Like Dad, The Paper Brigade, Wish Upon a Star, Phantom of the Megaplex, and Little Secrets. He also has directed 22 episodes of the Power Rangers series and two episodes of the live-action series Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, as well as some projects for BYU TV. He has an episode of Granite Flats coming up that he directed. And uh, more recently, he has directed and written the film Meet the Mormons. Exciting times. <laughs> Exciting times, yeah. So Blair, how was the idea for Meet the Mormons originally conceived? Well, it's it's funny, it's a long time ago. It was uh, about four years ago this month when there was a group of us gathered uh, and it was our responsibility at the time as a group to come up with new and innovative, way, innovative ways to uh, kind of assess where we were uh, as a church with its media uh, and talk about ways that we can do better in, in reaching our audiences and coupled with that ways in which to, to use social media to reach those audiences. <clears throat> um, I'm not a social media guru by any stretch. I'm a filmmaker. And so in that room, we had guys that, that had that other, you know, that body of expertise. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of an, an eclectic mix of, of a broad array of, of backgrounds. And in that meeting, uh, one day, uh, the topic of the legacy theater came up and, uh, we had been asked by the first presidency to come up with some new ideas to replace the film that is, uh, running in the legacy theater right now, just kind of on its last bit, last hurrah. And that's, uh, Joseph Smith prophet of the restoration. And so we were asked to come up with ideas to replace that film. Mm-hmm. And this grew out of that, um, uh, we started batting around ideas and uh, my hand just kind of, I, I just really felt strongly that rather than do a narrative film, which is interesting because that's really what my training has been primarily in, you know, a narrative film defined as, as you know, working with actors and scripts and building sets and going with a very detailed script. Um, I just felt like, hey, how, what if we did a documentary that just explored the lives of Latter-day Saints and it was very, uh, it didn't have much of an institutional voice, but it was more about not so much who we are, uh, not so much the details of our beliefs, but who we are as a result of attempting to live those beliefs mm-hmm. and in, in essence, tell our own stories. And so we we kind of thought that through and felt like, hey, this could be something worth exploring. And so I uh, put together a little presentation, sent it on up the line, and uh, there was interest there from the first presidency. And uh, President Monson said, you know, is it possible to give me a little taste of what this might look like? can you make a little trailer as it were mm-hmm. uh, about what this is? And, and so I thought at first, I thought, well, how do we make a trailer for a film that doesn't exist? Uh, but then I started, you know, after thinking about it for a few days, I, I thought, you know, I think we can, 
we can certainly throw together a little trailer and we'll just use kind of these fictitious stories and families and I'll go out and kind of create something really quick that just has kind of a flavor of what this documentary might feel like. And so based on that trailer, it came back with a, with a cut trailer and it was only a few minutes long. And uh, he and, and other members of the 12 and the First Prince, he saw that and they, and he felt like, yeah, this is the direction we should go. And, and then that's what kind of launched us uh, almost four years ago. Uh, took a while to, you know, find the families and locate what we felt were a good complement of stories that would represent us as a church and as a people globally. Uh, and so, you know, it was kind of a lengthy process, but that's, that's how it really began was just a simple idea. And then, you know, when you get in a room with really creative people, it kind of builds from there. Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of how it started. Okay. So one of the things that people have commented on about this film is that it isn't about church history or church doctrine, but it is those stories. What made you feel like that was the direction to go in? Well, on a personal level, you know, growing up in Huntington Beach, California, I was certainly in the minority um, of a religious minority, I should say. A lot of great people living out there, but there's also with that a lot of misconceptions and misperceptions about who we are and what we believe. And that kind of hit me smack dab in the face as early as the third grade. When reading about Mormons, our teacher would would pull out articles about Mormons. It was interesting. She she'd read about all kinds of different things, but my ears kind of perked up when one day she read something about Mormons, and it was all about multiple wives, and it was all about all these things that are the kind of the cliche things that people uh, still bring up, mm-hmm. thinking that they know us. And it really kind of broke my heart because I thought, you know, if these people just knew us for who we really are, that would go a long way toward toward dispelling common misconceptions. And so the idea of, uh, and, and I, I think that that whole thing has been borne out through studies that have been done that indicate that those who know a Mormon don't seem to be hampered by those common misperceptions. Mm-hmm. And so as a kid, I remember just feeling if people just knew us, they wouldn't say such awful things, they wouldn't think such awful things, they would be a little bit more open-minded. And I think that's typical of any faith, any group where you know you, you fall prey to stereotypes. But um, so that's where this whole idea, this whole notion came from, um, was kind of from my childhood. And I think many other people feel the same. Uh, If they just knew us a little bit better, they'd be a little more open. Uh, You know, human tendency is to be fearful of the unknown. So once you get to know something, you you tend to set aside those those notions that come from pop culture and uh, and the like. So I think that's where it kind of came from. Mm hmm. So at the beginning of the film, it starts out with um, Jenna Kim Jones interviewing people just on the street in New York City and asking them what they know about Mormons. And that's um, interwoven with these clips from films and television shows like The Simpsons and South Park and about people commenting about Mormons. And and it brings up all of these stereotypes. And um, are some of those that you included? I mean, are some of those stereotypes that you have encountered over the years? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Almost every one of them in a certain way. You know, a lot of people think we're just a Utah church, church, for example. Uh, they have weird notions about our holidays. Do you guys dance? You know, and it's like, if you knew us, I mean, Mormons, absolutely we dance. I mean, when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, some of the top dancers that have been on uh, a lot of these dance shows uh, come out of the 
you know, kind of the LDS culture and look at BYU and their dance program. So, and do you guys vote? Well, of course we vote. <laughs> People do know, you know, we don't smoke, we don't drink, but, um, and that's kind of played up. But yeah, I think a lot of these things, I think the whole opening really was just an acknowledgement mm-hmm. to kind of say to audiences, hey, here you go. It's right in front of you. See, these are the things that you've been fed all these years through popular culture, you know, television, uh, commercials, pretend documentaries uh, and mockumentaries. And so it's an acknowledgement from us to the world saying, um, you know what? We know this is what you feel about us. Um, we'll even have a laugh with you. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's OK. If that's what you, we, we don't want to make you feel bad, but we want you to understand that that uh, and kind of in, in a not um, what should I say? Not so subtle way that, uh, yeah, these things are out there and they still are, are, are quite prevalent. Um, and that's okay. We'll have a good laugh with you. But if you've been relying on popular culture for your information, you might want to think twice, especially if you consider yourself uh, an open-minded person and a person who wants to gain actual knowledge rather than rely on the medium of pop culture. So it's kind of a, kind of a fun and sometimes even backhanded way to say, okay, we've had our fun, but now let's really dig down and, and learn the truth about who Mormons really are. Yeah. Well, I thought it was actually quite good natured and lighthearted and and they were funny clips. There were quite a few that I hadn't seen, actually. I'd seen a couple. I'd seen the South Park one, yeah. actually. Yeah. I took an LDS cinema class at BYU, and, <laughs> and we watched that episode. Um, but it was interesting to me that one of the reviews that I read about Meet the Mormons, um, they found that intro, they said it was kind of defensive because it, it assumed things about its audience. But the funny thing is that any Mormon watching it... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would, would not. I mean, I was looking around me, you know, and people were laughing, but there were also, there was also, in kind of a knowing way, like I've encountered that before. And, and I, I think maybe what people don't realize is that just like any minority uh, in the United States that, I mean, any Mormon that you talk to has a story about yeah. facing some kind of stereotype like that yeah, that cool. was included. And, and the thing yeah. is, that was fun for us is, is we played this for test audiences. Uh, you know, anytime you make a film and it's going to be played in this instance, it was primarily just designed for the legacy theater at, at the beginning. We wanted to run it for audiences who are people who are not of our faith. So we act, we actually filtered out anybody who was LDS. And, and we wanted to hear from those who are not of our faith, non-members, kind of what they thought. And we just watched their reaction. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting is we found that it was a, good, a great way to just kind of lower that defensiveness mm-hmm. in them to say, oh, well, these guys can laugh at themselves. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be more apt to hear what they have to say. So humor is a great way to kind of lower defenses and, and help people just kind of loosen up a little bit, say, look, we don't take ourselves too serious. We, we take our beliefs seriously, but we don't take ourselves so seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's what that was. That was part and parcel what that opening was designed to do mm-hmm. just kind of get us laughing get us opened up a little bit yeah um and the funny thing i was thinking of was that you guys probably had to get licenses for all of those clips that make fun of mormon well actually you know we started down that path and uh-huh. discovered that we didn't have to get licenses because by in, in legal definition and the way they're used in the film they're under what's called fair use uh, because they're so brief and we're not changing the context of the films or the TV programs from which they came, oh, okay. we can use them under fair use. And so all we had to do was kind of, we had to give them credit at the end, uh-huh. which we would have done anyway. Uh, but what was interesting is many of, when we first went down that path, for example, the creators of, of the creators of South Park 
were really excited about us using the clip um, because though they poke fun of Mormons a lot, you know, they, they are also the creators of uh, the Book of Mormon, which is playing on Broadway. They still generally really like Mormons. <laughs> so Yeah, they say that in interviews. We really like Mormons. We make fun of them, but we really like them. Yeah. And so, you know, we can agree to disagree on some things. And, and But they were ones that we initially approached because we knew we wanted to use those clips from South Park. And uh, had we been forced to get permission from them, they would have granted it. Um, they were very open and willing to do that. So they were really cool about it. Uh-huh. Okay. So um, going back to the original intention of the film, to put it in legacy theater, um, how did it go from that to a national theater release? Yeah. Well, as much as I would love, and I think Jeff, our producer, uh, who also worked very closely with me on this whole thing, as much as we would love to say, we knew this was going to happen, it was going to be a huge success, the reality is that we felt that we were going to make a great film, and we felt like it would reach its audience, but we never imagined it going um, to this degree, because our kind of our heads were down, we were plowing straight ahead with the idea that this was something that was going to be prepared for uh, the legacy theater. And so the backstory is, um, this is all that was going to happen. It was going to go for the legacy theater. And what, what brought us out to a national release, really, the short answer is it was the audience. It received such a favorable review from uh, people of all walks of life, um, those who are not of our faith. I mean, obviously, members of the church are going to like this film. I mean, it's been really well received by members. Mm-hmm. Um, but non-members, um, we measured several of their, I mean, we, we uh, took surveys uh, after the movie was over. We asked them what their favorite vignettes were, their favorite stories were, and, and asked them to give us kind of overall marks, you know, uh, percentage. How many of you would recommend this to a friend? And it was it was really shocking. I mean, he, I was thrilled. Um, and so surprised were we with the data that we came back with in the first location and the test that we did in Los Angeles that we then had to double check that. And we then tested it in New York and Texas and Connecticut and the Carolinas and a couple of other places, Vegas, I think, mm-hmm. as well as Salt Lake. And it was all consistent. And what we what we came back with was that, that those who are not of our faith were recommending this film to their not to their friends uh, about, I think, 75 percent said they would recommend it. And that's a pretty high number mm-hmm. uh, for those, especially not necessarily religious because they found that the themes were universally identifiable. They, they, re, they liked them. They weren't offended in any way. They didn't feel like we were putting down anybody else in it who were of other faiths. And, uh, and so re, as a result of that finding, the brethren just felt like, gosh, you know, um, maybe we should take this out and kind of give our members and their non-member friends the legacy theater. So let's take the legacy theater experience to them rather than make them come to Salt Lake and experience the legacy theater. So, it was a way to get a lot more uh, eyeballs on this thing. Uh, you know, the Legacy Theater only seats about 500 people. It's a big theater, but when you consider that it can only show one at a time, um, compared to theaters all over the country running it at the same time, uh, it's, a, it's a lot. Uh, it makes for a lot better exposure. And so this was the first of its kind. It's never been done before. A commercially released uh, film, and we're excited, of course, to partner with the American Red Cross because they get all the proceeds. Mm-hmm. Um but that's what really the audiences, they were the ones that told us, hey, you need to, you know, make this thing more broadly available rather than just in one venue in Salt Lake. And it still will play the Legacy Theater, of course, when it's done with its theatrical run. But uh, that's really how it came to be. 
Okay, yeah, that's interesting. So you said in an interview on the Mormon channel that Elder Bednar gave you the charge to, quote, be authentic, be real. Yeah. So, of course, when you're crafting something, a work of art, there's editing involved, you choose where you point the camera. How did you negotiate that charge to be authentic and be real with these stories? Well, from the outset, uh, kind of the, 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 the feeling that we had was that if we want people when they're finished watching these sequences about these families uh, to come away with the same exact opinion about them that they would have had they spent time with them, actually moved in and lived with them. So that was the kind of the barometer or the yardstick by which we measure success on if we're being authentic. Um, that combined with the fact that we're, we're, sharing, we're sharing multiple stories um, gives the viewer a sense of who we are from a global perspective. We didn't want to just limit it to just one family. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think, um, yes, you have to make creative choices and you have to, to then edit stories. But at the end of the day, you want the viewer to come away with the reality of, of who these people really are. That's going to be our barometer by which we make decisions is, is it, does this really represent who these families really are? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so a lot of people have had questions about how you've chosen the stories in the film. I'm sure you considered a lot of stories. In an interview that I read, you said that it was a spiritual journey and you felt guided to these people. Is there, Absolutely. Is there one story that you could pick and tell us just a little bit about how you felt guided or how you found the story? Well, in a general sense, the answer to the question is yes, we did feel guided. I mean, we started off with, with great fear and trepidation. We've got 15 million members. How are we going to choose? I mean, there's going to be way too many to, to choose from. There's going to be so many great options, and that proved to be the case. But, for example, let's take and, – and all of them came to us in varied and different ways. Jeff and I, uh, the producer Jeff and I went down this path together and we said, okay, whatever we do, we're not going to move forward with any story unless we both feel really good about it. And so um, to, to answer your question, it's really kind of a two-parter. First of all, we had criteria by which we, had, we, we were using to make these selections. And then the other one was how do we actually find the families? Um, let me kind of in a roundabout way try to answer that as best I can. When you look at the very last story in the film, Don Armstrong, um, we felt that one of the stories should have at its core uh, something that is very common and very typical with all Latter-day Saint families, almost everybody, and that is what it's like to go through to prepare a young man or a young lady uh, to go out and serve a mission. In this case, what does a mom go through when she has to send out her oldest son? So we asked the missionary department to just send us five mission calls and uh and the contact information of these families and then we called these families and said okay we have your son or in some cases your daughter's mission call we'd like to come out and just photograph what actually happens and that's what we did with the armstrong family not even knowing their backstory oh, wow. we went out and shot we went out and shot uh, the young anthony opening his mission call and then we also shot uh, i think three or four others and then as we finished that evening. We've had a great feeling about that. We then interviewed the family, got to know them a little bit. And Dawn Armstrong, her backstory came out as a result of just digging a little bit deeper into her story. 
And she never really thought much of that. She didn't think that was any real consequence. But what we saw is a great redemptive story. We just thought this is a story we have to tell. So that's how we were led to her story. Wow. Um, every story came to us in different, varied ways. It, it was very uh, much uh, kind of a, a leap of faith uh, where we would dig, we would hunt, and we would read articles, or we would do a Skype interview with someone. Uh, we talked to, you know, people in our kind of in our network of people that we knew. You know, we work all over the all over the world at any given time, and so we had people that we knew in all different countries. And we would lay out for them our criteria, what we were looking for, and they would say, "Well, how about have you considered this guy or this family over here?" And so we just through the process of emails and Skype calls, we kind of eliminated, uh, kind of narrowed that down to a select group. And we felt like in the end, I guess we just felt that, that we had covered a, a broad array of stories that collectively put kind of a face on, on who we are as Latter-day Saints. You know, we, we realize we're not going to get everybody. We're not going to cover every conceivable situation and every story, but we realized that, um, we wanted to do the best we could to just give a kind of a global view of who we are collectively, that we come in all sizes, shapes, and colors, that we're not just a Utah church. So one criticism of the film might be that these families are from a lot of different places, they're ethnically diverse, but that they're a little bit too perfect, they don't represent the normal experience of the everyday Mormon. What would you say about that? Well, you know, I acknowledge that not, not all of our members are, are Division One football coaches or candy bombers, but but the reality is, is if you really peel back the kind of the fun vehicle or the shell of these stories that we use to tell, uh, project the stories forward, when you look at Coach Numa Tololo, for example, um, yeah, he's a head coach and not many of us are. But when you peel back the layers, you realize that there's there's an aspect of his life that is very typical and very normal. And that is one that that whether you're a CEO or whether you're in an entry level position, you you don't when you're in church, all those labels, all those hats come off. And what does Ken Numatololo, a head coach of a Division One football team at Naval Academy, do on Sunday? He teaches primary, and that's very typical and very normal. And so all these stories have that element. And some don't even you know Don Armstrong, for example, we've talked about her story is very. Uh, very normal. It's a pretty dramatic story, but it's not, it's not unusual. And so when people ask me, they say, well, do you have any normal families? This I, I always respond by saying, well, what is normal? You really think about who you know, who of us is, what does normal mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and the same thing with our candy bomber, you know, he has a very, there's aspects of his life that are very typical. He's a home teacher. He's very active in his community. And just like any, when he walks into church, he's just, he's very normal. He's not a celebrity in, in any stretch and um the bishop from atlanta or our kickboxer from costa rica yeah she has an interesting hobby but she's just in every other respect um very um normal lds mom uh, just has an interesting hobby so what would you say the film's successes have been so far well you know, we have to measure, the only way to truly measure success of any film is the hard numbers at the box office. And we had a wonderful opening weekend, um, and we've had good strength. Uh, as you look back over the last month, it's it's been good steady numbers. Um, 
from the very beginning. You know, film does have a drop off. Films drop off after that first weekend, and, and we experienced that. But we had real staying power from the subsequent weekends and weekdays. And the bottom line is, uh, you know, I don't know where we are right now. We've we've well passed. We've well surpassed uh, the five million mark. That has put us in the top thirty grossing documentary films of all time. So that's that's a pretty significant benchmark for a religious mm-hmm. documentary. Uh, so we're really excited about that, and and based on the strength of its domestic theatrical debut, it's now going out in theaters in other weeks, and so we're really excited about that. And we think that now opens up a lot of other opportunities in uh, uh, network television, both domestic and abroad, um, DVD, pay-per-view, Netflix. Um, Red box, you know, all the different mediums that typical Hollywood releases go through. Had we not had a successful opening weekend, we would have disappeared very quickly, and it would have just been a little blip on the map, and we'd be done. But uh, you know, we're still opening in, in new theaters domestically. Uh, other theaters were closing down because it's kind of run its course in, in these certain areas, and now we just go out to new areas. And so we're really excited about it. I think by any measure, uh, it's been a. I think everybody views it as uh, having been a. a one a huge success. Mm-hmm. So you cut out there for a little bit at the beginning. Did you say that um, it's going to be opening in other countries? Yeah, based based on the uh, the strength uh, of the domestic theatrical release, it now has the potential to open in other countries internationally. So it's going to be going down in Central and South America, up into Canada. I don't know the exact timeline, but it's here pretty quickly. It's going to be opening in theaters. Uh, above and below us, and then probably over in uh, in some other areas as well, in uh, possibly Asia, Europe. We don't know what that looks like yet, but but uh, it's we're really excited about it. And had it not had a great opening weekend, uh, it wouldn't have taken that direction internationally. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's going to be going international, and then and then you said that it's also going to be there are going to be some opportunities for distribution and other. Places. Once it's, once it's, yeah, once it's finished with its inter- international theatrical run, it then goes the typical uh, distribution avenues that other Hollywood films uh, experience. So it's going to go out on uh, pay-per-view and uh, DVD, and it'll have some television presence, I think, in some of the, the uh, foreign markets, especially uh, network television. Uh, and then it should be available eventually on like in Redbox and Netflix and possibly Hulu Plus, those kinds of things. So it'll eventually be available down the road uh, to a much broader audience uh, uh, just because of their access or with a broader audience by virtue of their access to the Internet. OK, so what would you say that you've learned from this experiment? Because it was an experiment. What would you say that you've learned from it? It was. <laughs> Well, first of all, I, I think we learned that there is an audience out there who will support, um, you know, a well-made film. I, I, it's hard for me to say that because I'm I'm the least biased guy. I'm the most <laughs> biased guy, guy, right? This has been kind of my baby and our baby. And so I, I'm the last guy you'd want to ask about, is this any good? But I think the audience response to it has shown us that it, it's it's been well-received and there is an audience who have an appetite for films like this. Uh, for our, our member, our, the members of our church in, in a wide variety of locations. So I think it's definitely, it has proven that. Um, the other thing is, is it's just, 
it's I hope that it's just priming the pump for more to come. I don't know what that is yet. Uh, certainly nothing has been determined about that. We've been so busy making this and getting it ready for marketplace so we we don't know what's next, but um, I certainly hope there is something on the horizon. Um, we'll just have to see what that is. but so it's 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 been experimented and it's it's turned out pretty well so far. Well, Blair, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. You're welcome. Well, good luck on your upcoming projects. Well, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast. For more episodes, please visit mormonartist.net. Music for this podcast was adapted from Blackberry's Hedge by Secret Jane, copyrighted under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 United States license.